You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science DC Comics podcast, where usually on a Friday night, me and my man Eric get together lately and have our Thank God it's Friday episodes, spotlight episodes, but with so few issues out this week from DC, Eric gets to take a break. And I'm going to go back to something that I had been doing before, a Secret Origins podcast. This is the Secret Origins of Captain Marvel slash Shazam. I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to get involved in that argument there. We will just go with it. Okay, everybody calm down. But before we get into the episode, let me remind you to go over to Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us. We'll follow you back. Then go to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, where we have reviews of almost all the issues that come out each and every week from DC Comics. And then you can go over to our Patreon account, Patreon.com slash Weird Science, where you can get a plethora, plethora of podcasts, including some just like this. But we're going to jump into this episode, as I said. It is the secret origins of Captain Marvel slash Shazam, and here we go. After the success of Superman and Batman, Fawcett Publications started its own comics division in 1939, recruiting staff writer Bill Parker to create several hero characters for the first title in their line, tentatively at that point titled Flash Comics. It's not going to work out. I, I think that everybody can realize why that won't, but we'll get to that. Among others... Parker wrote a story about a team of six superheroes. Each superhero in this team possessed a special power granted to them by a mythological figure. Fawcett Comics executive director Ralph Day decided it would be best to combine the team of six into just one hero who would embody all six powers. Pretty cool. Parker responded by creating a character he called at the time Captain Thunder. Staff artist Charles Clarence C.C. Beck was recruited to design and illustrate Parker's story, and his cartoony style did become the character's trademark. Now, the first issue of this comic book, printed as both Flash Comics number one and then Thrill Comics number one, were only created for advertising and trademark purposes. It's funny because shortly after that, Fawcett found out they could not trademark Captain Thunder, Flash Comics, or Thrill Comics, because all three names were already in use. So they went with Wiz Comics and then changed the name Captain Thunder to Captain Marvelous, which the editors then shortened to Captain Marvel. Now, because of that, the first issue that we're going to be talking about, the first appearance of Captain Marvel slash Shazam, is from Wiz Comics number two. There actually isn't a number one. Something that has probably, you know, drove people insane since, especially collectors or people just trying to read everything that they can. Wiz Comics number two was a huge success, selling over 500,000 copies. And sales wise, Captain Marvel was the most popular superhero of the 1940s, outselling even Superman. Captain Marvel was also the first comic book superhero to be adapted to film. Now, Fawcett ceased publishing Captain Marvel-related comics in 1953, partly because of a copyright infringement suit from DC Comics, alleging that Captain Marvel was a copy of Superman. In 1972, Fawcett licensed the character rights to DC 
which by 1991 acquired all rights to the entire family of characters. Now, as a side note, Captain Marvel's look was mainly based on actor Fred McMurray and the villain Dr. Savannah, who shows up in this first appearance, was based on Max Schreck of Nosferatu fame. So we're going to jump into Wiz Comics number two right now. Wiz Comics number two has a cover date of February 1940. We're going to be dealing with one of the stories that was originally in there, obviously introducing Captain Marvel, written by Bill Parker, pencils and inks by C.C. Beck, and colors by Bill Parker. There is a cover price on the cover of 10 cents, and obviously... I don't have a copy of Wiz Comics number two. What I'm going to be using to go through with this podcast is the trade Shazam, a celebration of 75 years, which I suggest to anybody who is into Shazam. Now, with that, I bring it up also because there is a reproduction of the cover to start things off, and there is a slight difference between the original cover. The original cover has Captain Marvel throwing a car into a brick wall where gangsters are falling out of the car as it hits. Now, one of the gangsters is falling out the driver's side, the door's open, he's falling, he probably ends up messing up his suit. He's probably mad his gangster suit needs to be, you know, dry clean. The other guy, though, looks like he's going right out of the windshield and then face planting into the wall, and he should be dead. Now, in the reproduction here in this trade, they have taken out the dead gangster, but they leave his Tommy gun that was kind of flying off of him as well. It's a very odd little omission there, especially with what happens in the issue anyway, but I just wanted to let you know the little difference. But it's a cool cover. It shows you that Captain Marvel, pretty cool, pretty strong. He's throwing a car. He's against the gangsters. He's a good guy. All of those wrapped up in the one. When we get into the issue, you end up having a half-page introduction to Captain Marvel. You end up having Captain Marvel standing, fist clenched, to the left of a purple cloud that has Captain Marvel over the cloud with lightning going off all over the place. And as an introduction, it says, Wiz Comics proudly present the world's mightiest man, powerful champion of justice, relentless enemy of evil, Captain Marvel, and we start off seeing from the distance a kid selling newspapers outside of a subway station with just the simple narration, night in the city. It's raining. This kid is saying, papers, papers, sir, papers, as people are walking by with their umbrellas, their trench coats, and a guy approaches this kid that is just scary from the get-go, and this kid is obviously Billy Batson. Now, He's not yet Captain Marvel, so he does not have the wisdom of Solomon that would seemingly tell him to get the heck out of there. This guy is dressed in a black trench coat, black hat. You can't even see his face. It's all blacked out in shadows, and he's got two glowing eyes. Get out of there. He doesn't have the speed of Mercury yet either, but I think he should run. He should really get out of there, especially then when he asks the guy, Paper, sir, and the guy says, Why aren't you home in bed, son? Billy responds, I have no home, sir. I mean, why is he talking to this guy? I sleep in the subway station. It's warm down there. And then the guy says, Follow me, and points to him, and he's just so naive. Okay. And they go down into the subway. 
So they're walking down into the subway waiting for something. And Billy says, where are we going? What are we doing? And the guy says, wait and see. Again, get out of there, Billy. But all of a sudden, the subway car pulls up. And if you're there at this time, 1940, this is not a subway car that you would normally see. This is very space age, maybe even psychedelic, supernatural looking thing. And the narration says, Suddenly, a strange subway car with headlights gleaming like a dragon's eyes roars into the station and stops. No one is driving it. And you end up having the shadowy figure pushing Billy into the car and says, have no fear, everything's been arranged. So when they go in, you see a little bit of the interior. You see that Billy is kind of, you know, a little surprised. He's looking around and there's a lot of hieroglyphic looking things and stuff on the walls of the subway car. Now, the subway car ends up driving into an area that does not look like a subway car should be. It's a big subterranean cavern. It stops. Billy and this figure get out, and they end up then walking down a lit corridor that is lined with something that most Captain Marvel slash Shazam fans would recognize, the seven deadly sins. You get all the statues there, and on the wall behind them it says, the seven deadly enemies of man. You can barely see at the end that there's a guy on a throne with a weird marble block over him with a rope up to the roof. It's a really odd deal. That's something that I had never actually heard of before actually reading this first issue again. But you end up having them go down and you see it's the wizard. It's the wizard Shazam. who, And it says, an old man sitting on a marble throne. At the far end of the cavern speaks as they approach. And this old man says, welcome, Billy Batson. And Billy says, how do you know my name? The guy ends up saying, I know everything. And then it says, a huge black cloud, a blinding lightning flash, a deafening peal of thunder form out of nowhere as the old man speaks his name. And he says, Shazam. And there is a crash of lightning. It doesn't change the wizard. What it does is end up giving a crazy inscription suddenly appears on the wall next to him. And it is the Shazam inscription. And it says it's explaining Shazam's name and appears magically on the wall. And you see Solomon, wisdom, Hercules, strength, Atlas, stamina, Zeus, power, Achilles, courage, Mercury, speed. And the wizard then explains to Billy, I've been the wizard for 3,000 years. I've used all the wisdom, strength, stamina, power, courage, and speed the gods have given me to battle forces of evil every single day. It's trouble. This is not a great job. You're really working overtime. It's kind of what he's saying, but he's old. He ends up saying to Billy, I've been doing this way, way too long, but I think you might be able to take care of this, you know, for me. And you end up having Billy, what? 3,000 years? You're doing that? And the wizard says, yep, I know everything that has ever happened, and I'm going to show you why. He claps his hands and yells, the Historama. And all of a sudden, a giant television screen appears, and you end up playing pretty much Billy Batson, this is your horrible life. Because of all the 3,000 years that the wizard could show Billy to prove that he knows everything and has seen everything, he basically shows Billy one of the worst times of his life when he was younger. And his mean old uncle, after Billy's parents died, his uncle was supposed to take care of him. Now his uncle tells him to hit the skids and get out of town. He's just a little kid. I mean, he's still a little kid. 
His uncle had kicked him out. This is a good way to give you a little background of Billy. It doesn't make much sense of why the wizard would want to show him this. And then really to, you know, twist the dagger into Billy says, oh, and by the way, here's your uncle counting all the money that was supposed to be yours. So you have all that going on. Now, Billy ends up looking up and sees this giant granite block that I mentioned earlier. That is just dangling above the wizard. And it's it's such a weird transition, but it says, Directly above Shazam's head, the wizard Shazam, a massive granite block weighing tons hangs from a slender frayed thread. If the thread broke, the granite would crush the old man to powder, and the thread is almost worn through. So what you end up having here is the wizard says to Billy, you are going to take my place now. You are worthy. Say my name and you'll become Captain Marvel. Say it. Come on. Speak my name. Billy says, Shazam, you got a big blam and he's Captain Marvel in what looks like was traced from that first panel introducing Captain Marvel. Just saying. But it says, as Billy speaks the magic word, he becomes Captain Marvel. So, okay, he's now this and you end up having the wizard say, I salute you. Henceforth, it shall be your sacred duty to defend the poor and helpless, right wrongs and crush evil everywhere. And Shazam is, or Captain Marvel is very pleasant. He says, yes, sire. He agrees. He's accepted the challenge. And then from the last bit here, the last lesson, the wizard says, say my name again and you become Billy Batson. You can revert back to Billy Batson. Come on, say it right now. And you end up having Captain Marvel yell Shazam right as the poor wizard gets crushed by that block. You end up, when he turns back to Billy, the thread cuts And that giant marble block falls and crushes the wizard to death. And then Billy's like, all right. And I thought maybe because you end up having a bunch of clouds and lightning. I thought that basically this was that, okay, little Billy's not seeing this. He might know that it happened. But no, it says that he saw it. He just watched a man die. But when you live on the streets, you see some bad things now and again. But Billy ends up kind of coming to and he's back up on the street outside the subway deal with his papers again. And he thinks, boy, that was a crazy dream. You don't get that idea that Billy thought it was a dream. A lot of these stories you would have. Oh, man, that was a crazy dream. I can't believe it. And then somehow later. No, he realizes this has gone on. He realizes he is now Captain Marvel. So he ends up going to bed. In the subway, I guess, and then goes up and he's going to sell more papers the next day. Just because he's Captain Marvel, he still has to pay the bills. So he ends up having the paper, and that day's big news is Maniac Scientist threatens U.S. radio system, demands $50 million. That's the big deal. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Two gangsters come up to Billy and say, hey, give me a paper, kid. And then the one gangster says, hey, you want to read about the boss? And then the other one goes, hey, shut your mouth, you fool. Yeah, and they get the paper and walk away. Well, Billy, hearing that, says, huh, they seem to be connected with this phantom scientist, is what Billy calls him here. The boss must be that guy. I'm going to tail these guys and see where they go. Maybe I can figure out where this phantom scientist is. So he does tail these guys. They end up at the swanky Sky Tower Apartments, and they go in. Billy follows. And you have a doorman, big guy, says, hey, kid, get out of here. You're not selling newspapers in here. And Billy's like, but, but, and you can tell he's he's trying to deke this guy. He's trying to, like, you know, go right and then go left, but he can't. This guy is not budging. So then he's like, okay, what else can I do? Well, he figures, 
The phantom scientist must be in these Sky Tower apartments. I better go and warn the radio station owner in town that I know where it is. Maybe they could do something. Maybe this is an adult thing. And he runs over to this Sterling Morris radio head guy. He goes into the radio station's office and he goes to the receptionist and says, I need to talk to Mr. Moore. And this receptionist, oh, you know, kid, he's busy today. He doesn't need to talk to no kid. Billy just, I think he throws the papers at this guy and then runs and runs in, busts into Sterling Morris's office and starts yelling, I know where this phantom scientist is. I know where he is. The receptionist comes in and says, hey, kid, get out of here. But Mr. Morris, he seems intrigued. Wait a minute. No, no, no. Let the kid speak. Let's hear what he has to say. So Billy says, I I followed these guys. They seem to be connected. They look like bad dudes. Ended up going and they were in the Sky Tower apartments. This triggers this Mr. Morris, the head of this radio station, to then get so angry at Billy. What? The Sky Tower apartments? Get out of town. It it almost feels like rich people aren't bad. That's a swanky apartment. What are you talking? He kicks Billy out. He just, I don't want to hear your talk. Well, before he gets kicked out, though, last second, Billy says, listen, if I can find where the Phantom's laboratory is, will you give me a job as a radio announcer? And I think that this Mr. Sterling Morris thinks to himself, well, he's not going to find anything, whatever. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm tired of listening to your nonsense. Get out of here. But yeah, if you find it, you could be a radio announcer. Billy's all excited and he runs there out of there. He goes to the Sky Tower apartment and it's nighttime now and he's looking at him. He's like, I, I can't get in there. That big dude was blocking the door, that doorman. Wait a minute. Maybe I have a plan. And his plan is to go to the adjacent building, go to the roof, call down the power of Shazam, ends up becoming Captain Marvel in a giant boom, and then just leaps between buildings, ends up on the roof of the Sky Tower apartments where, of course, these gangsters and the Phantom scientists must have the penthouse apartment. And he ends up walking up and listens to these gangsters. They're talking in there. It is the apartment. He's listening in and what these guys are doing, like, hey, we got to get a hold of Master Savannah. Hey, you there, Master Savannah. And they have a giant video screen. Everybody has video screens in this issue. And they, you know, hey, let's turn this on. How do you turn it on there, boy? You end up getting it on and there's our first look at Dr. Savannah looking just ugly as all hell. He does look like Nosferatu. And you end up where Dr. Savannah ends up saying, those fools, they wouldn't pay as I demanded at midnight. And we see the clock. Three minutes from now is, is trouble. He says, I will shut down every radio station forever. So again, the big threat here is shutting down radio stations during that night, right? So with that, you end up Captain Marvel's heard enough, bust into the window, and ends up picking up one of the gangsters, throws them across the room, and suddenly you see that there is a ton of equipment. And they say, with not a second to spare, Captain Marvel smashes the radio silencer into smithereens. So this is the equipment. The equipment's there in that apartment. Smashes it to smithereens. He does this by throwing this gangster into it. There's an explosion. This guy has to be dead. But he isn't later, but he he has to be. The other gangster then runs off and goes down the personal elevator. He he wants to get to the ground floor and run. You end up having Captain Marvel rip the door off of the elevator and then grab the cable of the, the elevator car. It's pretty cool. He ends up pulling it up with the cable and then grabs the guy out of the elevator and then pops him in the back of the head and throws him against the wall. 
and then ties them up using tubes from the radio silencer. Now, while this is all going on, Dr. Savannah is just watching this from a a remote location through this video screen, and he starts talking crap on Captain Marvel. And basically, the gangsters then are like, hey, who are you, buddy? They're all out of it. He's like, me? I'm Captain Marvel, gentlemen. And then Dr. Savannah says, well, this isn't the end of me. Yeah, I, I don't know if you realize this, Captain Marvel. I'm not in the room with you. I, I'm on this video screen. I'm now going to go. You're not going to catch me, but I will come back and I will take care of you later. And you end up having Captain Marvel say, well, Savannah, at least I stopped your plan. I destroyed your radio silencer. And then says, in a weird way, I don't know that Billy, you know, Captain Marvel actually realizes what it is to have a video kind of conferencing here. You know, early Zoom meeting here, he says, yeah, yeah, well, uh, we'll meet again and you'll be behind prison walls or dead. And then destroys the video screen and then says, I guess that will hold Savannah for now. Like he thinks that the video screen being destroyed here somehow is going to make. What does he think? He's in the Phantom Zone. He says it'll hold him. No, it won't. He's wherever he is doing his evil plan, you know, part B. And you end up then where Billy, it looks in front of these guys saying he may have gone to another room. It really doesn't explain that. But you see, he's next to a telephone. He yells Shazam again. He goes back to being Billy Batson. And you end up having him call Mr. Morris. He doesn't call the police right away. He calls Mr. Morris, the radio guy, and says, hey, can you come here? I want to show you something. Yeah, yeah. Where are you, kid? Oh, I'm in the Sky Tower Apartments. I'm in the penthouse. Now, remember, Mr. Morris got so angry that Billy mentioned the Sky Tower Apartments. Now, why would he show up now? But he does. I guess curiosity got him. He shows up and sees gangsters. He sees wrecked equipment and pretty much says, okay, I get what you're telling me. You destroyed the... How can you do this? You're a little kid. Billy never explains it. Never says anything of anything, just says, you got to promise not to tell anybody I did it. Again, I think that this Mr. Morris, let's go back a second. I asked how you did this. You're not big enough to, to take down two adult gangsters and destroy this equipment. What's What gives? And he doesn't ask the gangsters nothing of any sort of what happened. But he ends up promising to Billy, okay, I'll call the police, but I'm not going to mention you. Billy realizes that if word gets out that he stopped this, the gangsters, Savannah, they're going to put two and two together real quick that Billy and Captain Marvel are connected. So you end up having Mr. Morris say, I I promise we're good. So Billy then at the last second says, oh, and by the way, you promised me I could get that job at the radio station. And I think that Mr. Morris forgot exactly what that was. He wasn't really paying attention. He goes, yep, you're there. You're now Billy Batson radio reporter. Before it was just announcer. I was thinking that he's just going to be one of those radio announcers and he's going to do some commercials and stuff. But nope, now he's radio reporter. Billy gets all excited. He starts like shaking his fist in the air and says, Billy Batson, radio reporter. Boy, oh boy, here's where we go to town. Me and now why would he think in his mind? I'm going to be a radio reporter. This is where me and Captain Marvel go to town. But he almost says it. And you end up having Mr. Morris say, you and who else, son? Who are you going to say? Billy's like, nyah, nyah. and he goes, "Uh, no, nobody. I, I meant the microphone. You know, me and Mike. And I think Mr. Morris is like, nope, I'm not hiring this crazy Looney Tune. But that was the big deal. He almost let the cat out of the bag. And it even says, 
Billy almost let the cat out of the bag that time. That time? He's only been Captain Marvel for less than a day. And it says, don't fail to be on hand next month when he and Captain Marvel do indeed go to town. And it has it in quotes. And a cool page at the end where you have in the middle a giant cloud and there's the lightning bolt through it. And on the top, you get a bubble with Captain Marvel's face. And on the bottom, you get a bubble with Billy Batson's face there. So that is the Secret Origins first issue, first appearance, all that. Captain Marvel, pretty crazy. R.I.P. the wizard, he got crushed. I think that one gangster, he might be dead as well. But a superhero's born, so it all works out in the wash. So, yeah, it is pretty darn good. A pretty cool and quick. The idea that it's wholesome is wholesome in the idea that there is naive Billy who gets to be Captain Marvel, who is more of a Boy Scout, I think, than even Superman. Again, I mentioned it earlier where one of the big things that intrigued people, it seemed from the very get-go, was that supernatural part. The idea of the different gods being thrown in there as the power set and things like that were different than an alien who comes to Earth and is able to do super things because of the difference with the sun. It it does play off that different deal, so it ends up where a lot of people really took to Captain Marvel. And it said at the beginning, Captain Marvel was more popular sales-wise than Superman was in the 40s. So that's pretty cool. Leading to DC needing to sue a threat in a lawsuit because of the idea that he was so popular. They could not take down Captain Marvel, so they had to do it by threats and courts and things like that. And then we get into the whole idea of when they end up getting DC gets the whole property, Captain Marvel, Shazam, all that stuff. Again, I said I'm not going to get into that, so I will not. But thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Secret Origins. And if you did, you can let me know by going over to Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us. We'll follow you back 100%. Follow back policy there. You can send me tweets, DMs, all that. Also, check out our website, weirdsciencedccomics.com, and then go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can get a ton of shows, usually a couple shows each and every day, all sorts of things, DC, Marvel, manga, cartoon, movie, all that stuff, all rolling up into one. It's like its own little podcast network over there. I think that there's a lot that people would enjoy and also be surprised at how much we actually end up doing there. And as a last deal, if you could, Rate and review, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to. That'd be awesome. That really, really helps us out, and I'd appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. But that's it. Thanks, everybody. I believe next week we'll be back on a Friday. Thank God it's Friday episode with me and Eric talking probably two books of the books coming out next week because there's a ton of DC Comics coming out. So thanks, everybody, and I'll talk to you later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.